You are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. Did anybody buy anything on Amazon.com this week? Anybody buy anything? Okay. Amanda? Are trucks at your house right now? Backing up. <clears throat> Amazon has saturated our lives. It's become how we've dealt with a pandemic, honestly. Amazon wasn't there. What would we have done? I don't know whether to hate Amazon or love Amazon, to be honest. It's, it's a confusing time, very confusing time. But you click a button and stuff shows up at your door. What's not to love about that? But I found the Amazon company very fascinating and in particular how the founder and CEO handles a particular element in his company, and that's the annual shareholder meeting. In every annual report that Jeff Bezos attaches or has with his Amazon shareholders, he attaches a copy of his original letter in 1997 to shareholders. So every time they meet, I believe probably once a year, maybe more than that, but Once a year, he attaches this letter that he wrote to the company in 1997. And it outlines the fundamental measures of Amazon's potential success. And in that letter, that 1997 letter, the founder and CEO stated, this is day one for the internet. And if we execute well... It will be for Amazon.com. This is day one for the internet. And if we execute well, for Amazon.com. The term day one speaks to a desire by Bezos to create an organization that is relentlessly focused on customers, creating long-term value over short-term corporate profit and making bold moves as it seeks to stay relevant in an ever-changing world. Amazon has even named their headquarters in Seattle, Washington. They refer to it as the Day One Building. It is a term that has become a model of business culture for not only Amazon, but for many other companies who have sought to replicate Amazon's success. Day one has meaning for us, too. Think of some day ones in your life. When we think of day one, whether it's in our life for spiritual reasons or relationship reasons or for businesses we're a part of, we see it as the beginning of things, day one. I want to speak this morning on that subject, day one. In the second book in our Bible, 
the book of Exodus, we read about a group of people called the children of Israel. Anybody heard of the children of Israel? They are people who God would declare as his own special people. They began with a man named Abraham and would ultimately be referred to as the children of Israel after Abraham's grandson, Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. And by the time we read about the children of Israel in the book of Exodus, they have become a larger group of people. And now they're living in a place called Egypt. In Exodus chapter 1, verse 8, we read, There arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. Joseph was one of Jacob's sons. And he said to his people, Look, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply and it happen in the event of war that they also join our enemies and fight against them and, or fight against us and so go up out of the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with their burdens and they built for Pharaoh supply cities. Verse 12, but the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew, and they were in dread of the children of Israel. So the Egyptians made the children of Israel serve with rigor, and they made their lives bitter with hard bondage and mortar and brick and all kinds of service in the field. All their service in which they made them serve was with rigor. They were forcing them now to serve them. They became their taskmasters. And the children of Israel find themselves enslaved, not just for a few weeks, not for a few months, not even for a few years, but hundreds of years. Every day was the same day. Every day they woke up, they worked in the field. Every day they made bricks. Every day they got beat. Every day they toiled in the heat. Every day they were humiliated by the oppression of the Egyptians. God was not content to let his people remain in bondage. They were his special people, so God was going to deliver them. And so he said, I'm going to bring you out from under the hand of the oppressor. And God found a man named Moses who was tending sheep in a, in a wilderness, and he speaks to Moses out of a burning bush. God tells Moses in Exodus chapter 3, verse 7, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to a place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and Hivites and Jebusites. God tells Moses, I'm going to bring them out from under the hand of the oppressor, and I've got a place designated for them. I've got a promised land for them. And so God sets out to deliver his people from the oppression of Egypt. And he wants to bring them into this land that he's prepared. And so through a series of 10 plagues over a span of what some believe is four to six months, God reigns chaos and horror and terror on the Egyptians. And with every plague, plague after plague, God afflicts the Egyptians. 
And finally, God declares that enough is enough and that his final plague will convince Pharaoh to let God's people go. And with his final plague, the killing of every Egyptian firstborn, the children of Israel finally packed their bags. They finally began to walk out of their homes under a moonlit sky, a full moon. And they began to walk out of Egypt. You could say that this was a beginning. You could say that this was a fresh start. But I would say that that's probably an understatement. This was the do-over of all do-overs. This was a new life, a new way, a new birth. It was the greatest restart in human history. You could say that this was day one. And I would guess those who walked out of their homes that day felt that this was day one. This is our chance to get out from under the hand of the oppressor, to get out from under the hand of the taskmaster, the one that's controlling us. This was probably in their mind a great start, a day one for them. But according to God, this was actually not day one. Exodus chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. God declares to his people, the children of Israel, I'm going to reset the clock in your life. I am going to reset how you mark time. Previous to the, this, they were starting their year in the fall sometime, most likely in September. But now they find themselves having a restart. And God said, I'm going to give you a new month. I'm going to give you a new year. It's going to be a brand new way to mark your life. And I'm going to give you this in a new time frame. And so their deliverance, when you think about them walking out of their homes, this was not day one of that first month. In fact, it wasn't day two. It wasn't day three. It wasn't day four. It wasn't five, seven, or even nine. Day 10 comes, and you would think that maybe that would be it, but it's not. All God tells them is to get a lamb, grab a lamb, bring it to your house, and hold it there. And then it says in verse 3, speak to all the congregation on the 10th day of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb. But then day 11 comes, and day 12 comes comes. Finally, day 14 comes. And that lamb that you're looking at, at your house, that lamb that's tied up next to the front door, now I need you to prepare that lamb. 
And so God said, now you shall keep it, the lamb, until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight, and they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the house where they ate. In verse 11, and thus you shall eat it with the belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand, so you shall make eat in haste, and it shall be the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. So what we see in this passage on this new month, that deliverance came on day 15. The fourth book of the Bible, the book of Numbers, tells us specifically the details of their deliverance and escape from Egypt. It says, now Moses wrote down the starting points of their journeys at the command of the Lord, and these are their journeys according to their starting points. They departed from Ramses in the first first month on the 15th day of the first month on the day After the Passover, the children of Israel went out with boldness in the sight of all the Egyptians. For them, there is no doubt that when they walked out of their homes, never to return to that place with all the goods, all the gold, for them, that day felt like day one. That day felt like a new day. And it was a holy day, and it was a new day for them. But according to God, it was actually day 15. And I want someone to understand today that God's clock is not measured by our movement. God's clock is not measured by our movement. His clock isn't determined by your movement in this world. And his clock isn't even determined by you moving to this altar. Day one for us is not day one for God. Anyone love celebrating birthdays? Some of you love celebrating your own birthday. You make sure everybody knows it's your birthday. We love you for it. Thank you. We love celebrating birthdays. We celebrated Ben Walter's birthday, 50th birthday the other day, March 13th, 2021. He's making 50 look really good. We say 50 years ago started day one. And for your appearance in the world, that is true. But that's not really day one. Day one was months prior. And dare I say, God noticed you before your parents ever held you. And even before your mom ever felt you move in her belly, God knew you. Because day one for us is not day one for God. 
Psalm chapter 139, my frame, David said, was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest places of the earth, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they are all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. Before your days ever started, God saw you. And David said, how precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. I love celebrating day one of birth. I love even celebrating day one when someone is born again. Heaven throws a party. When people repent, we celebrate every decision to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. We celebrate when individuals receive the gift of the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in other tongues. But I want someone to understand that wasn't the first day God noticed you. Long before you ever showed up at this church, God took notice of you. Long before you ever walked to this altar and lifted your hands or bowed your knee, God took notice of you. And dare I say, God loved you. God loved you. Before you ever said, I'm sorry, God, God loved you. In Luke, we read about a man who was all locked up. Physically, he had been chained. They tried to bind him because he was out of his mind. Mentally, he had lost it. Emotionally, he was out of control. Spiritually, he was bound by a thousand devils. And in Luke chapter 8, we read about Jesus And Jesus steps onto a shore in the Gadarenes. And there's a man that's lost his mind. And the Bible says when he saw Jesus, this man saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before Jesus. And Jesus delivered him from all the demons, all the chains, all the bondage, all the hatred, all the self-harming. Jesus healed him in that moment. I don't know about you, but That would have felt like day one. That would have felt like an awesome day when all the chains were broken off of his life. But what I understand about that story is that wasn't day one in Jesus' eyes because verses before that, Jesus was talking to his disciples and he said, let's go across the lake. Let's go across the lake because there's something I want to do there. And we know the storm came up and the storm tried to stop him. But Jesus said, no, I've got to get over there because I've already had a day one and this individual needs deliverance oh hallelujah and this man experienced a new start new hope day one is a day that's on God's calendar and it's an important day I want someone understand today and maybe you're desperate for deliverance and maybe you feel bound and you feel constrained by your history of failures 
And maybe your life is littered with regret. And I tell you today, God declared day one long before you ever messed up. And I am confident today that your day of deliverance is coming. Your day of victory is coming. Your day of promise is coming. Because day one has already been declared. God's already had you on his mind. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And God, God's spirit hovered over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Somebody say the first day. There was a day one because God had a day two in mind. And there was a day two because God had a day three in mind. And there was a day three because God had a day four in mind. And there was a day four because God had a day five in mind. And there was a day five because God had a day six in mind. It was the day in which humanity would be created. Man, humanity would start the plan of God in the world. He would start living his life. What do we realize? That while that was day one for humanity, that was not day one for God. That was day one for Adam. When he was brought to life and sat up and looked around for the first time, that was day one. That was a beginning of a journey for him. But that was not day one for God. And may I add that God promised and said there's coming a day seven. Not just a day six, but a day seven. And I mentioned this on Wednesday, but I'll say it again. That when the Jews count their day or say their days, they don't say it like we do. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. No, they say one, two, three, four, five, six, rest. Because there's a day seven that's promised and doesn't have a beginning or end. And it's a day that God's promised all of us. And when we read about it in Revelation, it says it like this. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There will be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. That humanity will rest. God's clock started with day one. And day one has been declared. John, in the gospel, as 
I conclude today. John and his gospel begins like this. In the beginning was the word. The thought, the reason. Intentionality of God. The word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And all things were made through him. Everyone say through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. Everything that was made was made through day one. And it says, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. That this light that was created on day one was to bring life to humanity. It was God's understanding of his calendar that he would bring life into the world. And while humanity sat up on day six, God said on day one, I'm already bringing life. It doesn't matter what you think or I think. Day one opens the gateway for all that God has. So this light came to earth. And so we realize that before we ever sinned, that Jesus Christ was beaten. Before your parents ever met, this light was crucified. Before you ever had a first conscious thought, he was buried in a tomb. Before you ever cried in your mama's arms, he rose again. Why? Because day one for us is not day one for God. How often do we let the enemy convince us that we're an afterthought of God? That somehow the only way God thinks about us, hear me now, the only way that God really loves us or thinks about us is if I have a day one experience at an altar. If I could just start my life over, then God would think about me. Then God would care about me. Then God would love me. But I'm telling you today, I'm telling somebody in this room today, day one for you is not day one for God. In that while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. He didn't die on the cross because you were perfect. He died because day one said, I'm going to bring light and I'm going to bring life into the world. Oh, hallelujah. Stand with me this morning. I wonder if someone would recognize that the reset button has already been pushed. You just have to be willing to walk in his path. Someone needs to declare in the spirit today that day one has already come. Now, it may feel like day nine. I don't know how the children of Israel felt. I don't know how they felt when they were sitting there on day six. Waiting. Waiting. For deliverance, waiting 
for God to move. I, I don't think that it was much different than any other day. Except God had already de- declared a day one. God already declared, I have a way of escape for you. I have a way of hope for you. And today, I wonder, there might be some in this room today that you feel like doesn't feel any different. Life doesn't feel any different than it normally does. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, if I could get everything right in my life, if I could kind of fix everything in my life, then God would really love me and God would really have a plan for my life. But I'm telling you today, God's already declared day one. And he has deliverance. He has deliverance for you. Already marked on the calendar. David said, my days are already fashioned for me. Before my mom ever held me and I was crying in her arms and they said, we have his birthday. No, long before the birthday ever came, God said, I've already fashioned the days and there's a day that God has fashioned for you and fashioned for me that I believe you can walk into today. I believe that you could repent of your sins today and find forgiveness that you can be baptized in his name. You can experience the wonder of his spirit today. Why? That's not until day 15, no, because day one's already declared. Jesus Christ already came. He already died. He already was buried and he already rose again. So I declare that to you today. What I want us to pray today, the passage that I No, some of you are familiar with. But I want us to pray it today. Is Lord, order my steps in your word. Order my steps in your word. His word declared, let there be light. And there was light. And every step of the way, God has an order. God has a plan. And the children of Israel had an opportunity. They could find their day of deliverance or they could follow back into the ways of Egypt. But God said, I've got a plan. I've got days fashioned for you. And I wonder if somebody would pray that prayer today. Lord, order my steps. In your word. Not my declaration of a new day. Not my determination of what day one is. But God, fashion my days. I want to pray for you, Lord, right now. God, you know those who are walking in this room. Who God feel like day one is a ways away. That new start, that new hope, that deliverance, Lord, is too far away. They're not sure that they can live up to what they think it requires. 
But Lord, your word tells us today that while we were still sinners, you died for us. You declared a day one before we were even fashioned in this world. And God, I know you're declaring a day in this room where people will find deliverance. People will find freedom from Egypt. People will find, Lord, the chains being broken. You've fashioned it already for them. You've already proclaimed victory in this room. You've already proclaimed deliverance in this room, Lord. You've already proclaimed it. I pray someone would walk in your word. Someone's steps would be ordered of you today. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.